One Week Season. Welcome back to the Reflection Pod. I'm your host, B Fritz12, and here we are, hanging out post week 11. Well, I'm uh, I'm excited to do this pod because we're changing a couple things up this week. Um, for one, we're going to change up the order of how I go through things, but also we are going to do lineups, baby. Review li- review lineups left and right all over the place. Um, that's the focus of this podcast. So for those of you that normally join me here early in the week, uh, you'll know that we like to just kind of talk about what happened over the course of the weekend. It's really important to get a good feel for what actually occurred on an NFL slate. Um, because there is so much variance in this sport. So it's important to reflect not only on the events of what happened, but also on our process. So I usually talk a lot of high-level stuff, general thoughts about the weekend, strategy points that seemed interesting to me, what I did well or didn't do well, all those types of things. But this particular week, we're going to go basically straight up lineups here. We're still going to do our fluke or fail segment. We're actually going to start out with that. Um, Just take a look at the high performers on the week, 30 plus points on DraftKings. Let's figure out if it was a fluky performance or if we straight up failed by not playing them. Uh, And then we will move into a lineup. So I'm going to share some of my builds, and then um, much more excitingly than that, we will look at some of the OWS binks this week because, uh, yeah, there were some big old numbers and commas in the binks channel. So props to those guys. Uh, You'll hang in there if you were one of those guys because I might be checking out your lineup. Um, So without further ado, let's jump into our content. Okay, so fluke or fail. Like I said, this is usually what we go to towards the end of the pod and the second half of the pod, but we're going to start here this week. So looking at our 30 plus point performers. Now, keep in mind here that JM's strategy coming into this weekend was ceiling. Forget about floor. Where can I find ceiling? At OWS overall, we kind of embrace that uh, with this type of week where there isn't a ton of certainty and where the field would still be searching for that. Uh, it just kind of made sense to go this route, especially if you are a tournament player. And I am going to give myself a little shout out here, mainly because I don't really have anything else uh, to hang my hat on this weekend. <laughs> um, but when I... Uh, uh, listen to the slate pod this weekend. I jumped in right at the end. Uh, you know, a lot of you may have signed off by then, but basically I jumped on with Hilo and uh, Mike Johnson, who was on that this weekend. And when I signed off, 
after I asked my question, I basically said, I feel like this is going to be a week where we see a lot of OWS flags at the top of the leaderboards. So that was my call. It won me zero dollars. And for the two listeners here, they're not going to be that impressed anyways. So (laughs) here we are. Uh, Fluke or fail. Okay, we've got at the number one spot, Mr. Tony Pollard with 39.9 points. Oh, man, this is a a play that I came around to a little bit uh, because Mike Johnson was talking it up during the Slate podcast. Yeah, I mean, this was a great game environment. We know that Pollard has a really high ceiling. His floor is relatively low compared to that ceiling. And it was kind of an interesting spot with Zeke coming back into the lineup this week, making the Pollard play a little bit juicier because uh, throwing a little bit more uncertainty into the ring there. So if you pulled the trigger on Tony Pollard, you're feeling pretty good. Uh, Just a, a smash play there. Yeah. So I think really what it comes down to is this is the kind of ceiling he has in this game environment specifically and against Minnesota's uh, eh, defense. Great, great ceiling play there. He does have a, a lowish floor compared to that, but you're not playing him for his floor. So nice job to him and to all of you that played him. Uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, 38.5. We won't go too much into that because he was on the Sunday night slate. I mean, dude just scores touchdowns. It's ridiculous. He just has games where he scores multiple and, you know, it's never just one. Uh, Devonte Adams was on our slate. Mr. Adams has been back to back to back, I believe, here in this fluke or fail section. 36.1 points. He did get there in overtime. So, you know, keep that in mind. It's kind of an asterisk. Um I don't know if I would bucket that as fluky necessarily. He's a dude that's going to score points. We talk about this each and every week. Um, so, yeah, I think overall the game environment was a little bit slower, uh, just the way that it's set up at least and against that pass defense. So uh, I did get 13 targets, only seven catches, 141 and two touchdowns. Also, just a note here that Jams talked about the, the block of Devante and Josh Jacobs, and they had another really good showing this week. Jacobs had 22 points, uh, so that puts them at just under 60 points there. Amari Cooper next up at 34.3. A little bit bummed about this one myself, as we'll get to when we talk about uh, my strategies for the week and some of my lineups. Um, Yeah, Cooper has been really involved in that Cleveland passing attack and finally hit this week. You know, finally was able to put it together, get in the end zone a couple times, bust 100 yards. Um, So, again, good game environment. Buffalo had some... Injured, like a bunch of guys injured on the defense uh, or sick or whatever. So, yeah, passing game there set up well. Uh, Joshua Palmer, again, just to mention him, 33.6. He was also on the night slate. Got Joe Burrow, 31.7. Mr. Burrow, uh, 
we will be seeing a little bit more of you coming up in the bink section. Uh, for those of you that got on him, what a great play there. Uh, this is something that I'll talk a little bit more about for my builds as well. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, set up so well against a struggling Pittsburgh defense. Uh, even without Jamar Chase, he still got what it takes. Mahomes. 30.46, again, not on the slate. Samaje Pirine, 30.2. Well, if you played Joe Mixon, you're probably still a little butthurt about this one because that uh, is pretty crazy. I mean, how wild is it that Mixon had that, you know, once in a career game? And then while 30.2 points for running back is not a once in a career game for, for Pirine, it for sure is. So... Massive game there for him. A little bit fluky in the sense that uh, it's just not something that's going to happen for him on a regular basis, right? So, you know, again, fluky for him. Uh, if you were playing, lining up Mixon and you got hurt by that, that was also a little bit fluky because, you know, over a larger um number of times we play this out a lot of those points go to mix in all right that is it for our 30 point performers just of note here there's a bunch of guys in the uh kind of like mid to high 20s as well we've got jacoby Brissett in that game environment uh oh man that one just hurts for me i i always love a, a good low price quarterback when i can find him in this type of position somebody that can go 300 for three i had played him a couple times earlier this year and just never got there with him. So that one between him and Amari, I played Jacoby and Amari uh, probably two or three times earlier this year in game environments that I liked and they just didn't hit. So hard to have them hit and have neither of them this week, even though I was on that game. Uh, we got Daniel Jones, 29.64, uh, another low price guy again against Detroit. Talk about that coming up. Uh, Najee Harris finally had a nice game at 20, 27.6. We got T. Higgins at 26.8. Same game environment there. Uh, Jalen Hurts, 25. Demarcus Robinson, Jamal Williams. Okay. And, well, and then our boy, Justin Fields at 23.62. Speaking of, I actually wanted to make a note about Mr. Fields. So we've talked a lot about him at OWS. I've talked a lot about him on this pod, uh, being a Chicago guy and kind of having the the eye into his raw potential and the Bears just not using him well early on. Uh, so we'd kind of set this up over the past handful of weeks, right? Three weeks or so after this Bears offense has looked a lot better. And so we've talked about how good of a play Fields is in this offense now. But I wanted to point something out here. I wasn't on Fields at all this week. Now, this is not a victory lap um, for that reason, but I think the reason that I was not on him is important to talk about. So we saw his absolute ceiling in the previous two games of him scoring over 40 points. That is his absolute ceiling as it's, you know, an absolute ceiling for a lot of guys because that's very, very high. <laughs> um, he's going to have those games. He's going to have more 40 plus point games in his career. But I think it's important to remember that those are 
not going to happen that frequently. Even for him to hit 35 plus probably won't happen that that frequently. And why? He currently does not have a ceiling through the air. All of his production is coming on the ground. He just doesn't have that production through the air yet. And so it's important to keep that in mind. Again, I'm not saying it's a bad play. I'm not saying he was this week or he will be going forward. But it is important to keep that in mind when comparing him against these other high price guys. Um, You know, Josh Allen specifically, um, Patrick Mahomes when he's on the slate. So I just think it's Important to note that his ceiling is very high, but it is a bit more fragile. And he does still have a very high floor, but the frequency with which he's going to score 35 to 40 points is still relatively low compared to some of these other high-end guys. So again, I'm not saying he's a bad play or that you shouldn't play him going forward, but I'm saying keep that in mind as you compare him to other high-priced guys, especially if the game environment uh, doesn't set up super well. He's still a bit of a raw player. The Bears offense, yes, has looked better and will still be good the way that they're calling it, Um, but they're still going to have down games. They're still not an elite offense overall. Um, He doesn't have really strong skill pieces to work with. So just kind of like words of caution and things to keep in mind here. And just as a note, the the not having a, a passing ceiling, dude only has one game over 200 yards through the air so far this year. And two games where he's busted off 60 plus yard rushing touchdowns. So again, it's in his wheelhouse to be able to do that on the ground, but he's not always going to get 100 plus and a touchdown on the ground and so keeping that in mind with his, you know, 200 yard ceiling at this point, it seems like through the air, uh, we just need to, to keep that in mind. So that's my spiel on Justin Fields. OK, fluke or fail done. Let's uh, reverse things now and go into strategy stuff. So we're going to start with my strategy and my lineups. So uh, this week was difficult for me. I feel like every week this year after I've done my first look and kind of settled into the games a little bit towards the end of the week, Thursday, Friday, I feel good just from like a high level. You know, of course, I still have to build out rosters and kind of see where I'm landing with construction and and things like that. But Overall, I feel like I I have a good feel of where I want to go. This week was different. I did not feel that right away. So I was very excited. Um, For those of you that listened to last week's pod, I was very excited because this gave me a perfect opportunity to really dive into all the content this week at OWS. And so, you know, listen to the Slate pod, like I said. Uh, I read The Edge. Um, Just did kind of all the normal things to like really consolidate thoughts at the end of the week or try to gather more information to kind of inform the the little direction that I had. This was very, very helpful. Now, you'll know if you were here again last week that I talked about notices almost like a little bit of fear coming in with 
playing for myself and not consuming too much content on um, this this slight fear of oh but you know some somebody might talk me off of my plays somebody might talk me out of my convictions uh, this piece of content might shift how I'm thinking and kind of like subconsciously avoiding that it's not something I've been trying to do but uh, being honest with myself I, I definitely noticed a little bit of that and so this week I went into or you know I talked about it last week on the pod I'm excited to jump into more content and kind of bounce my own thoughts off of that, uh, not really worry too much about how it's going to influence what I'm thinking, but to still take in some of that information and integrate it into how I'm feeling and, and um, what my process looks like. And so I feel really good about that, uh, how that went this week. It was needed, as I said, um, but I was also looking forward to doing it regardless. So that was super helpful. And essentially what I ended up coming around to and the way that I wanted to approach this slate was, you know, we talked about uh, the field searching for certainty and then, the, you know, a being, that being a bad approach and uh, or at least a negative EV approach and to focus on ceiling and places where that could be found and, and good teams and good game environments, all things that are you know pretty foundational in general especially as it relates to tournament play for myself i actually felt i got myself to a point where i felt pretty good about looking for certainty and ceiling and so what that ended up looking like for me this week was a couple focus points the bills browns game specifically the Bills offense. I just thought they really set up to smash here. Like I just didn't see a whole lot of way that the Browns are going to hold them in because of the bad defense they've played this year. Now, they put 31 points up on the scoreboard, but it didn't really happen the way that I thought it would. Uh, we'll come back to that in a minute, but I just want to get over these high level things first. Uh, team playing the Lions has been something that I've I'm kind of locked in over the past handful of weeks, except, of course, for the Justin Fields week, because I'm a donkey. Uh, we've got the Bengals pass game. I did kind of like that game environment as a whole as well. I thought there was a little bit of a chance for the Steelers to um, fight back. And then the Dallas and Minnesota game environment. Couple side notes on that one too, so I will come back to that. But so let's go back up to the top. So for me, with the Bills offense, this was really the foundation of my rosters this week. Now, I should also note that I was heavily focused on FanDuel this week because I had four $25 tickets to um, to qualify for another ticket for the WFFC, um, the championship there. So I was heavily focused on that. I had a hundred dollars worth, you know, for a small sex guy, a uh, hundred dollars worth of tickets. So that was pretty significant because I feel that for my style of play, for me, if I can get into a, uh, you know, a relatively smaller, pool and be playing for high prize money uh, that suits my strengths. So I really wanted to take those lineups seriously. It was also a good way to save a little bit of on, on bankroll elsewhere because I was kind of focused on those. 
Um, so that was where I was coming from. But anyways, my my foundation this week was Alan Singletary and Gabe Davis. So I really liked this trio of guys because I felt that it really gave me floor and ceiling in this offense because between Josh Allen and Devin Singletary, one of which was very high priced, the other of which is relatively low priced for his role and the offense that he's in, uh, really from a block standpoint was reasonably priced to me, you know, before the week happened, the uh, most certain thing this week was that Bills put up probably 30 plus. And so I just really love that combo there. Um, Singletary can also catch a pass. So that helps both of them if he takes one in. So I just really, really like that. Again, looking for these game environments this weekend and specifically teams that could score four plus touchdowns. So love that. And then I, you know, Hilo is all about it this week. Gabe Davis. I just really like that too, because and again, especially on FanDuel where touchdowns are more important, um, just felt that, you know, he had such a good chance at a ceiling game. You know, you can never predict those, but he was in a good spot for that to happen. On the other side of the ball, the uh, the Browns were very interesting to me as well. Like I said earlier, with some of the Bills injured, uh, the guys that I was focused on, I, I again really really liked Hilo's call of David and Joku. Um, you know, definitely considered Donovan's Peoples Jones. Uh, ironically and interestingly, I did not consider Amari enough, and so to me, this is. A leak. This is a leak because uh, Amari had been in my player pool just about every other week this year. And I think I finally got to the point with him where he had, quote unquote, burned me enough times. I'd never been upset about it. Uh, you know, I didn't take to Twitter, uh, you know, <laughs> screaming at him uh, like <laughs> like normal DFS and fantasy football players. Uh, but he just, you know, there were enough times where he disappointed me. I played him enough times where I was just like, oh, okay, it wasn't that great of a play. Oh, that, you know, didn't hit. Oh, so I think that kind of got to me this week where I didn't really even consider him, even though I've always liked his role in this offense. And I think I got a little bit focused on the the, the sneaky Njoku play, so to speak, um, which I don't think was a bad play by any means. I would play him again. Um, so... That's what I liked in this game. As we talked about before, uh, I think that Brissett Amari was, you know, uh, just super sick in terms of a tourney combo there. Like that is how you win tourneys. That's how you differentiate because now you're uh, leveraging rosters a little bit because you don't have Josh Allen. Josh Allen only has a normal game like he did. And, you know, you paid 3k or whatever it was three and a half k less for brissette um so yeah just uh, a pretty sick tourney build there to have like brissette amari and then you know bringing it back with a couple one or two bills all right team playing the lions yeah i mean really for me uh i came around to saquon late in the week i thought that i could build a pretty decent lineup on fanduel and because of he was, uh, for those of you that don't play FanDuel, he was really high priced there. And so 
I really came around to liking him just because I figured he he of of all the running backs had you know far and away the best chance to have like a monster score playing this Lions team that is just the best thing uh, for opposing offenses the the cheat code and he just straight up disappeared again I would I really liked when I came around to this and uh yeah he just come like 22 yards on 15 carries I believe is a stat line like what in the hell is that don't even know how that happened I didn't see any uh footage or anything from that game so I don't know how that happened but that was just like mind-boggling to me and Begman and guess they sold out to stop him or whatever but so again something I would do again I don't regret that at all i think based on how i built my lineups it it made sense and that's playing for for first right there bengals pass game yeah i mean i don't think this one needs too much explaining again we will see some great examples of this coming up here in a few minutes uh you know burrow higgins boyd and then Hurst really provide such a block of players. Ironically, as we talked about in the fluke or fail section, uh, Samaj P. Ryan stole a lot of that. So it was kind of ironic, but still on paper, those guys just, you know, still a, a condensed offense in terms of who he was throwing to. I think I really think that T. Higgins was like hands down one of the best plays on both sites this week. Uh, you know, he's he's a one B in an offense with chase. So in an offense without chase, he's like far and away the alpha against this bad Steelers pass defense. So I just, I think he was, you know, hands down one of the best plays of the week and, you know, would have played him one off anywhere and everywhere as well. Not even just um, in stacks. And then, as I said, I actually really liked uh, the the other side of that game in the Steelers. I think the Steelers are, you know, it's kind of similar to the Bears in a way where they are a young offense, uh, raw quarterback, trying to figure out how to call plays, rough offensive line, uh, similar, you know, kind of a similar situation. And they just really haven't found their stride yet. And, you know, I know JM's talked about this. I really do think that they have some ceiling in them too. And they, they kind of showed a little bit of that in this game. Again, Najee Harris, I know that he hasn't had a good year by any means. And the Steelers run blocking has been about as good as the, uh, the Bengals just in terms of like yards per carry for uh, him, but he's still kind of criminally underpriced for his role. Again, he hasn't really done much with it this year, but um, he has like there is still a role there. So I think that was a solid play. Again, if you're playing picket and and uh, Najee Harris, I think that was very viable just for the savings there. You can play that block and just say, you know, I hope they put up a fight in a game where they're going to have to be chasing. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of really cool ways to play that game. And we'll we'll look at some people who did it better than I in a minute. Uh, Dallas, Minnesota. So this was a really interesting game environment, I thought. So I was actually kind of down on this going into the weekend. Um, Mike Johnson talked about it and was really high on it on the Slate podcast. And so that got me thinking in some different ways. And really what it came down to for me was I basically settled on, I think it blows up or 
it's really like kind of low scoring and surprising just because these teams, you know, we talked about before good teams can have, uh, they can have shootouts, but they can also have kind of these lower, uh, total slug fests, not because they play that way, but just because they are good and they kind of, uh, just go back and forth like that. So I really liked the Dallas side of the ball here specifically defensively i thought there was a really good chance that um, dallas clamped down on minnesota and minnesota just kind of flopped here and that was exactly what happened um but i didn't quite build like that like i said i really built as if this game completely flopped or that it went off but i was assuming that it would be balanced i was not assuming that Dallas would just straight blow these guys out. And even if they if it, even if it was one sided, I was expecting kind of like a, a 27, 13 or 27, 17 type of game, not necessarily the lopsided defeat that happened. So I think from this game, uh, again, just because, you know, these blocks of players are always really interesting to me, especially in a weekend like this where you're just looking for. How can I soak up all the points from a good offense? Again, kind of like the Bills, I think that Dak and Pollard were an interesting block of players that you're going to say, oh, I think that Dallas could score for maybe even five touchdowns. And that's a great way for me to get exposure to all of it through them. And again, as mentioned earlier, you're even capitalizing on possibly some of the uncertainty around what Pollard's role is going to be with Zeke back. So anyways, I think that was uh, sharp there. And yeah, we talked about Pollard and his ceiling. And then, you know, the the Minnesota thing, uh, I, I think, you know, not a big surprise, right? Like they, or maybe it is a big surprise, but uh, to me, it wasn't too big of a surprise coming off of what was a, you know, their Super Bowl last week, in a sense. Uh, they put it all on the line to beat the Bills. I um, was kind of expecting, you know, against another elite team, it's just going to be really, really hard to sustain that intensity. And the Dallas defense is legit and just got the best of them. Okay, so... That's kind of where I was at. Um, I'm not going to go through any of my exact rosters because we've got some much better ones to cover. Um, basically, I got I had kind of a, a bad. It was like the week of, of close, but no cigar, like just week of bad beats for me. Um, I, I lost my confidence pool last night with the chargers blowing it i picked them as my as an upset pick uh and so that i got blown for me and then as i mentioned i had these four tickets to the uh, you know shooting for a ticket to the w wwf wffc championship on fanduel and they the the cashing, you know, you won a ticket if you were in the top 200 players. I had a lineup that finished. One was like 387. One was way out. Uh, one lineup that finished like 387th. Another lineup that finished 280-something. And a lineup that finished 225. So kind of brutal to have two lineups that finished just out of the quote-unquote money there. 
Um, so yeah, just a week where, you know, I played Josh Allen as my quarterback and he had like the worst week he's had, um, in probably a long time. So it's kind of, kind of rough there. I'm, I'm over it now, but it hurt. Uh, but yes, that was my weekend. Let's get on to some guys who had epic weekends. All right. OWS fam. And because this, uh, podcast is not behind the paywall because this is free to the public. If you are not an OWS subscriber and you're checking this out now, uh, just take a look at what these guys did this weekend. All right. To start us off, we've got AJV174. A fourth place finish paying out $70,000. That's a lot of cash. Our lineup is Mr. Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson, Stefan Diggs, T. Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Dawson Knox, Pat Fryermuth, and Jets defense. All right. So foundation of this roster, we've got Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, bringing it back with Pat F on the other side of the ball. Really sweet stack here. Again, this lineup won 70K with Joe Mixon in the lineup, who scored 9.2 points, which is really just wild. Uh, but so again, we you know I've talked about this multiple times in this podcast alone, combining both quarterback and running back on a good team, on a good offense that has a chance to score four or five touchdowns. It's exactly what AJV174 did here. T. Higgins, as we talked about, just, you know, just a great play. Uh, he was 12.62% owned in this tourney. That seems kind of wild to me. Uh, we've got, yeah, and Pat Fryermuth, just one of the best plays at tight end, just in terms of a floor and ceiling combo, you know, ceiling maybe slightly questionable, but you know they're going to look for him in the red zone if they can get there. Um, but yeah, just he's just had a ton of volume, especially with Pickett at quarterback. So really like that stack there. Now check out the secondary stack here. We've got Stephon Diggs, Dawson Knox, Donovan Peoples Jones. That is a sweet little secondary stack. Again. You'll notice that this focused on one of the potentially best game environments on the slate. So, you know, we've got the the Bengals who are a good chance to score 30 plus. They did. We've got Buffalo who's a good chance to score 30 plus. They did. Um, just it's such a great way to build the lineup, especially on a week like this where um, if you're trying to pick, you know, where a lot of the field is going to try to pick pieces to put together onto a lineup. This is how you find some element of certainty and still give yourself access to ceiling. So I really think that was a pretty sweet um, secondary stack correlation there. And then we've got Antonio Gibson uh, running back against the just terrible Houston defense, run defense specifically, uh, who only managed to eke out 13.3 points 
we've got Jets D then to wrap it up. Um, just, you know, a nice, both of those defenses were, were talked about as good plays in that game. And yeah, got, got you 10 points on defense there. So at a low price, that's all you need. And AJV has a wonderful weekend. Congrats, man. Have fun. All right. The cream of the crop this week. This guy absolutely smashed this weekend. We are talking about K4 Cowboys 4K. We've got a first place lineup good for $100,000. Scored a 174.1. Great score on a week like this. We've got Joe Burrow, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, T. Higgins, Cortland Sutton, Donald Peoples-Jones, Hayden Hurst, Najee Harris, Jets defense. Well, Mr. Burrow... T. Higgins and Hayden Hurst make an appearance on this lineup. We talked about that just in terms of this passing offense being just such high floor, such high ceiling. You know, they're condensed. They're in a great matchup. Uh, there's, you know, we can't say enough good things about them this weekend and what a great play they were. And it worked out. Uh, coming back on the other side of the ball, then I had Najee Harris which ended up being great. As we talked about, he had his first good game of the year. Also really solid because he was only 4.1% owned in this particular tourney, um, which by the way, Burrow was 6.68. So again, it's one of those things where sometimes we only have to let the field outthink themselves. And we don't have to try to get cute. We don't have to try to be sneaky. Uh, Joe, if you you know Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, six uh, percent ownership, thirteen percent ownership. Hayden Hurst, who didn't perform in this game, only ended up getting a four point eight, but he was six percent owned. So you know, it's just wild. You're getting an offense like this against a bad defense like that um, at this low of ownership. What else we've got on this roster? We got a nice little correlation between Josh Jacobs and Cortland Sutton. Uh, 22 points from Jacobs, 13 from Sutton. Just, yeah, a nice little skinny stack there from guys who are, you know, have a a bunch of floor and ceiling in their uh, particular offenses. A game total that wasn't, expected to be high but again you know they have opportunity in their respective offenses and definitely wasn't going to be a game that was focused on josh jacobs came in under 10 percent owned and just still has one of the best roles in football uh at the running back position because of the the volume there there's just nobody else in that backfield he is a true workhorse back thought he was a great play this week the only reason i didn't think he was a smash play is because he was playing the denver defense um and just you know expect that game overall to be a little bit low scoring but ended up working out here for k4 cowboys 4k ate the chalk with david montgomery at running back 
gets you a nice 21.1 points. No reason to get crazy there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really, I think that, and then Jets D, of course. I really do think that this is a just an awesome example of how you really don't have to go off the board. This is, again, something that Mike Johnson's hammered a lot recently, and I've talked about it on this pod in terms of things that I've done poorly. And uh, I think just as we've talked this year about playing chalk and all those things, this is just such a good example of you don't have to go way off the board. Like if you look at this roster, the only thing that's way off the board uh, is apparently Cortland Sutton wasn't because he was 16% owned, which I... I didn't see that coming. Uh, but then you have, you know, Cortland Sutton, Najee Harris, Hayden Hurst, um, Josh Jacobs and Joe Burrow apparently were crazy plays. They were both under 10% owned. So um, just a great example. Uh, what what a week for, for Cowboys here who also banked an afternoon slate. Uh, just like, man, talk about all the things coming in at one time. So yeah, big Big congrats, uh, you know, see in discord all the time. You're putting in the work week after week. And this is this is what it takes, right? One week to make the season. There are also plenty of other rosters that uh, we're not going to go over, but that made it into the Binks channel. Big congrats to you all. Yeah, this is it, right? This is this is DFS. This is why it's fun. This is why we play It's for these big weeks. And, you know, just a shout to all of you who are like me and looking at that Binks channel and going, damn, isn't that nice? <laughs> uh, look, it's happening. You know, it's, it's easy to say, hey, it didn't happen for me. But the cool thing is this is proof that it can happen. And the OWS fam has a leg up on the rest of the field. So. Keep on coming back, guys. You all are what make this space so great. And I appreciate you sharing this time with me. And uh, yeah, give me some time to hang and reflect and chat all things football and DFS. Um, thank you, guys. Feel free to shoot me your rosters next week. I would love to review them here on the pod. With that, I hope to see you at the top of the leaderboards this weekend.